me and Ralph had a great show planned for you guys. We had win totals for every single team, who was going to bowl games, everything. But then two bombshell tweets came out that must be addressed about Pac-12 football in the fall. Larry Scott went on Dan Patrick and he didn't embarrass himself or the conference. Arizona says they're open for business. Somebody's out here tweeting saying athletes should leave California and the Pac-12. Is Dante Williams running the Pac-12 and USC with their recruiting? Kyle Whittingham has a lot to say. And so does a fan with his email. I'm George Reister with Ralph Amsden, and this is the Pac-12 Apostles. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. We appreciate your time, appreciate your energy. Thank you for listening. Please make sure that you share the feed with a friend, somebody who loves the Pac-12 and cares about the Pac-12 or needs to hear this information like you do. Send us an email. I'm mad. I am M-A-D at unafraidshow.com or hit us up on Twitter. I'm at George Reister. He's at Ralph Amston. And most importantly, leave a five-star rating wherever you listen to podcasts. Let's get to the show. Ralph, man, we had a great show planned for the people. I spent so much time, energy, and effort on these win totals. People were going to be upset. Maybe we'll have to save that for next episode or when we actually get what the schedule will look like. Maybe. <laughs> I, feel, <laughs> I feel like we're living inside that. Uh, the You ever watch that show Community? Um, yeah. There's that, like super super viral gif of donald glover walking into the apartment with a couple of pizzas under his arm oh in the fire got a smile on his face and and the apartment's on fire and his face just drops that was today today was like oh i got a show with george we're gonna talk about all the team's records and then it was just tweet after tweet after tweet after news item after news item the pac-12 might play in the spring the pac-12 might only play a pac-12 schedule uh, California schools might not even have athletics at all this year. Arizona's opening up completely and schools could come to Arizona to play. It, it was just, it was so much. You and I got on the phone about a half hour ago and I was like, I don't know if we can do the show. I don't know if we can just sit there <laughs> and be like, ah, yeah, well, UCLA six and six ah, without, I, I feel like I'm going to cry. There's so much going on. I don't know how to process it all. I mean, okay, so I guess we can start at the beginning. The So Brett McMurphy, he put out a tweet that said a, Cal, a spokesman for the University of California system. So that's UCLA, UC Berkeley, which is Cal, UC Davis, those schools, um, said that um, it expects, it well, it doesn't expect their campuses to fully reopen for in-person classes in the fall that he doesn't expect that. And that goes, that tweet is important because if there aren't students on campus, there is no football because of multiple people. There's Larry Scott, who's reiterated that. And also Mark Emmerich and the NCAA aren't going to be going for that either because of this little bitty thing called amateurism that doesn't allow players to be paid at this point in time. So how on earth can you either require or 
ask kids to come back to campus, to come play ball, to make money for everybody else when they are, quote unquote, students first and the students aren't on campus? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so I've never been so happy in my life to not be in a position of leadership. Like I'm barely holding my own house together. I got I, I got my website to run. I got four kids to to homeschool and and I got you know I, I saw the Jay Cutler Kristen Cavallari thing and that made me realize like oh my god uh, everybody's gonna get divorced I gotta keep my my marriage up too I I don't have any answers I mean the answers okay so I feel so bad for anybody in the entire country who is in a position of leadership of any kind right now you have you have people out there saying stuff like masks don't work like like nurses and doctors haven't been wearing them during surgeries for the last 75 years for a reason right like it, it we we have descended into complete madness i um, how do how do you lead people do you push do you pull do you coax oh, do, do you do you shepherd how do you get anybody to do anything Dude, I there's so many levels to that because I so I I wanted to start with the fact that okay that actually I'm gonna ask you Ralph do you believe that college football players should be back on campus even if the students are still distance learning? I think that if the students are distance learning, it makes it 10 times easier to have the college football players and college athletes back on campus. If you, if you have everybody distance learning and you, that means you have empty dormitories, how much easier is it to make sure that, that, that people are spaced out in some way. Now, of course the athletes are all still going to gather. They're, they're going to turn the entire dorm into a giant party instead of just their room. But, you know, at, at least you can say that you tried or that you did something. Having more space for less people is exactly the thing that you would need. Um, it really just depends on what you what you want to do and what you want to invest in trying to make this this work. It's been said so that you- if there's not students on campus, that there shouldn't be student athletes on campus. And I'm not sure that I agree with the premise as a whole, considering it would be easier to care for the student athletes if it was not for the students. So, but, okay, so how do you reconcile that with the fact that if students aren't on campus, that means that the the school, for whatever reason, the information or intel that they believe is true or possible says that things could go badly. Or some people could get sick or whatever. And like, how do you reconcile those two, two things? The students, it's not safe enough for the students to be on campus, but it is safe enough for athletes to come on campus the way they can play to entertain the rest of the country and to get the economy going for that state and, you know, generating television re- revenue and filling, you know, spots that were already uh, bought for ESPN and Fox and FS1 and whoever else. I don't know if I can completely reconcile it, but I can say that if the effort is there to provide care for the student athletes, even 
you know, even say like, hey, if you need to have your family, you know, out here with you too, sort of the way that they've talked about having Major League Baseball, you know, and that move their families to. That's a violation, Ralph. Yeah. I don't think any of it matters at this point. It, it nothing has ever shown the NCAA to be a bigger, just like wet fart, just ineffective, ineffectual thing than the fact that the entire system is shut down and you still have a bunch of nerds running around with pocket protectors trying to hand out demerits. <laughs> yeah, they're still trying to figure out college basketball scandal, all 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 of this. Okay, so the, then there was the second tweet that was just major, which was from Colin Coward that said, told by two people I trust, USC versus Alabama isn't happening. Trojans can't even practice in LA potentially for several months. This is why Bama is already talking to other possible opponents, not official, but understood. Feeling now that the Pac-12 football in spring much more likely there's a lot to unpack in that tweet so let's start at the beginning usc versus alabama isn't happening i feel like that's a like duh right um or 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 that it's unlikely to happen it wouldn't be it wouldn't be on alabama's end right they they're they don't care um but they don't. <laughs> Alabama can't be bothered with any of this. Um, uh, dude, they they have country bumpkin immunity. And I, we're a big, George, we're a big country. And, and California is a country in and of itself. And the idea that any one thing would be a viable solution for everybody is absurd. The whole thing about not having a solution is you have to know the question in order to have an answer. And we're still learning what the question is. We're trying to answer the question before the teacher has it out of their mouth, right? What if there's a twist? Like you, you always oh, like pressing the uh, the uh, Jeopardy yes. button or or That's the Family Feud button before he stops. Yeah, before he finishes answering the question, Alec and he looks stupid at the end. Yeah, Alec Trebek is reading a two month long card right now. And we're sick of waiting, and so we're tapping on the buzzer repeatedly, and there might be two weeks left in this question that he's trying to answer, and that us trying to cut in with our answer right now might be the answer to the wrong question or the question of the wrong answer, or however Jeopardy works. I'm freaking out. But I I just the idea that that one thing would work for everyone is is sort of an impossibility and improbability, but we just don't know. We don't know everything yet. We we don't know. And so I, that's always just been my position is, okay, so let's let's just figure out what it is that we're dealing with and then find the best way to attack it. But, but people, people want to go with the information that they have right now. And um, the economy is important and people's livelihoods are important. Like there's not anything that I'm going to say that could diminish how important those things are to certain people. But for a lot of people, they just don't want to be told what to do. Yep. And that and and that's all it comes down to is they they don't want to be told what to do. And um, if we had the federal government coming out and pushing the idea that vegetables were bad, those people would get so healthy so fast. So, like, it it just we we are a society of very contrarian people. And um, 
that that's the situation that we're in right now. And so I, I Colin Cowherd's tweet, you know, the, that rises up in me, George, because Colin Coward tweets and he might have two completely legitimate sources, but there's that piece of American in me that's like bullshit, yep. right? Like See, immediately. And that, and that's the same reaction that people are having to the CDC and Dr. Fauci and the government in general is they just, they, they, they want to dismiss everything um, outright. That's just, that's in our nature. And that's how I feel about this Colin Coward thing. He might very well be right. And the college presidents came out and they addressed it. Mike Bone, Mike Bone, who should never tweet by the way, ever, because his mentions are just always fire Clay Helton. Um, uh, but he came out and he said that, you know, that he's in talks with Alabama and they're in wait and see mode and and they have no plans to cancel. That's the thing about it is that how can you, uh, because I responded to Colin, I, Colin, I said, everything is so tentative right now. Bama can't even schedule an opponent to fill the game without a concrete start date. Like the NCAA is going to push back on allowing any games until regular season, uh, well, until regular students are back on campus, campus because of amateurism. And this chaos to restart college sports is greater than the chaos for stopping it. Because, oh, all right. So, if everything gets pushed back, then yes, Alabama can play USC. If everything ends up pushed back, if there is a second wave that people believe is coming, and then everything gets pushed pushed back, now you're in a situation to where you can play either the whole season, part of the season, you can still kind of get these games in, and also California. Um, Oh, well, and then there goes the other thing. The article came out in the LA Times today saying that California, well, the LA County in particular, may be shut down for another three months, like until the end of July or something. And, but people read the headline, but when you read the actual story, it said, but it could change depending on what happens because it's a very fluid situation. And so with a fluid situation, because Alabama's not practicing right right now. So it's like, if you are the NCAA, how do you make rules around this about when people can practice if other people cannot practice? Because you could create a competitive imbalance, which already existed because some people had spring ball or part of spring ball, other people didn't. This is an absolute zoo and without any like empirical data, like it's fr- it's frustrating for me, Ralph, because I'm like the only thing that I've seen that sells more than fear in this country is divisiveness. Like people have turned this health crisis into a political issue, and you got these clowns out here. Oh, it's oh. Red red states are doing the right thing. Blue states are doing the right thing, uh, whether they're opening or not. But there's no empirical data to say who's right and who's wrong. So, like, it's it just like it's a bit cluster because it's become a political agenda or people who have vested interest in certain things who want what they want. And they're trying to make an argument to back it up instead of looking at the facts where there aren't a ton of them. Yes. <laughs> I, I see what you're talking about 
how it's a fluid situation. I mean, it, it, you you could see the flow <laughs> in in what it is you were trying to say there. I I just don't I just don't know. I I don't know how the NCAA can do anything. We're about to find out how strong some particular institutions are. And, you know, if every college comes out and they decide to be defiant all at the same time, what could the NCAA do truly? Like, Nothing. What, what, what could they say? You know, I mean, and they're not going to the, give any guidance there. Any any structure, because I get this question all the time covering high schools here in Arizona. People are like, do you think that the Arizona Interscholastic Association will let um what will with Doug Ducey saying that Arizona's open back up? Do you think that they'll let the kids play high school football? And I, and I always respond to the same thing. I'm like, do, do you expect a member organization to lead? Because they never will. They never will. They are only designed to, to produce guidelines and enforce guidelines. That's it. They are, they are, they are an operations company. They can set up a tournament and they can hold people accountable to the rules that the members agree upon. That's it. That's all that they can do. So the NCAA is not going to come out and they're not going to lead on this. It's really going to come down to the conference commissioners and the university presidents. And even for the most part, they're at the mercy of local governments. But you're seeing just in California alone that local governments don't necessarily agree with each other. You oh. have you have a county right now that it's not allowing Tesla to get back to work, even though the state of California okayed it. Yeah. Right. Alam so, yeah, Alam Alameda County and Elon Musk are in a fight right now. So what do we what do we do? What do we do if USC as a private institution decides to raise a huge stink and say that they don't want to go down the road that the 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 Cal State university system is going they've already said you know san diego state san jose state sacramento state these schools aren't going to have classes traditional classes in the fall and if the idea that is that no students on campus means no student athletes on campus if san diego state wants to have a season then they're going to have to do it elsewhere they're going to have to be based out of vegas or based out of phoenix which is just the most bizarre thing in the entire world Okay, so now that leads us to the next thing. See, I, I, I like the way this is flowing, Ralph, is Arizona has said that they are open for business, for MLB, NBA, NFL, like open it up. We're doing everything. The The thing I did, did miss was, is this fanless or is this business as usual? I think it's fanless. Um... Ish. <laughs> Yeah, good luck getting Doug Ducey to ever answer a question. I mean, he he's definitely not done a terrible job, in my opinion, of being the governor of Arizona during a very confusing time. Um, it does feel very strange having the governor of the state stand up and say, okay, we're ready to go. We're ready to reopen things and have athletic events without fans reopen hair salons, reopen restaurants, reopen gyms, reopen pools. Arizona is open for business. Meanwhile, the Navajo Nation is part of Arizona. I mean, it's a sovereign nation, but it's within the borders of the state of Arizona. And Doctors Without Borders is on their way there right now because the the, the Navajo people, the Diné people, as they call themselves, are getting ravaged 
by COVID-19. And so I don't, oh. I, I, I don't know. Oh, I don't know what then, to say about that. And then the same day that Dr. Fauci did testify. Oh, the, the, we didn't even mention this. Dr. Fauci testified with Congress today and said states that open up too quickly may be uh, in for a, a, uh, an overrunning of the hospitals. Whether he's right or wrong, he said it today, and he is uh, the one of the lead epidemiologists in in the country. Yeah, and so I'm, I'm gonna like, be, I want to be serious here for a second because my mom works in a hospital down here. My stepmom, she raised me. She, you know, I I went over to her house this weekend. Um, my my dad came out. It was my first time seeing him in two months. He helped me plant some plant some posts in my backyard because this apocalyptic. Uh, situation has me trying to raise chickens now so i'm <laughs> yeah, i'm, I'm not, not mad at you though when we come out of the when we come out of the fog of what's going on i'm i'm seriously going to wonder about some of the decisions i've made but so my dad comes over and and he helps me out with some stuff so i i decided to go to work with him just to get out of the house and and you know he he paints uh homes usually vacant homes turns them over and everything so you know i went and helped him paint and i saw my stepmom for the first time in 2 months she works at a hospital down here and, um, you know, she said, uh, you know, they, they have an entire floor that's completely dedicated They're they're They have the materials that they need, but they continue to be worried every single day about all of the um, nursing homes that are out here. Uh, the elderly population that is sort of maybe not able to go home because usually in the middle of May or toward the beginning of June, a lot of these snowbirds go back to their homes in the Midwest um, Canada, places like that, or New York, but maybe those places aren't as safe for them as Arizona is. So they'll be sticking around and our economy's reopening. And, you know, she's pretty concerned about, about, you know, what could happen because they have an anesthesiologist at their hospital in his early fifties, who's married to a doctor at the hospital she works at who contracted COVID-19 perfectly healthy guy, athletic guy, no underlying health concerns was dead in four days. This Ooh. disease, this disease doesn't make any sense. So my mom, yeah, lost, it, my mom lost a coworker in four days to a disease they don't understand and seems to be primarily transmitted by people who have no idea they're sick. And so what, what do we do? We're, we're inviting all of the major league baseball teams here. We're saying that if the NBA wants to be open for business and, and conduct their playoff games here, they can, because it'll be the first time we've had playoff basketball in 10 years. Um, but you know, uh, but what does that mean for the citizens? I, I'm somebody like me, you know, my daughter has underlying health conditions. I, I'm stay home. Like I just have to. And I, I believe that that should probably be a little bit closer to what we're doing is that people make the choice that is best for them. Um, but at some point you do have to consider the choice that's best for the people around you. You have to respect the people around you. And, uh, and, and if people aren't on board with just the basic decency of not sneezing in each other's mouths while out at Starbucks, how are we going to get through this? I don't know. And, and the governor of Arizona has basically invited everybody to the party to figure out, you know, well, can we make it work here? Well, I, I think that this has shown the biggest, I mean, for the first time in a long time, I mean, my, my, mind you, our country is our country, but I think that this is showing the biggest difference in the states that we've seen in a very, very long time. 
like that how each individual state is truly individual like that there are unique situations in in terms of everything from geography to density to everything else in these states which means that people are in different circumstances and the Arizona governor saying that Arizona's open for a business and people are like yeah everybody moved to Arizona and it's like hold on slow down even though that this is, you know, some states are not open and all of this. At the end of the day, this is a temporary situation. The coronavirus is going to go. Away. I mean, it's either going to have a vaccine. It is. There's going to be uh, uh, treatments. It will go away. Like it will not. I mean, like this is not going to going to. I don't believe that this is going to be something that is two, three years from now that we're still open and closing, open and close. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to kill everybody. However, it is a serious thing that we need to be aware of. And I, I don't know what the actual answer for how we do it is, but I do know that it is something that we need to work around in some uh, shape, way, or form or fashion. But it feels like Jurassic to- Park. It feels like Jurassic Park. Like, a couple of mistakes happened. Uh, you know, Nedry slipped in and stole some stuff, shut off security. The T-Rex got out. A couple of, you know, people met, met their demise. A lot of people got very, very, very scared, but at the end of the day, there's money to be made. Right. And, um, so, so so you got to figure out how to park. Yeah. Yeah. So we got to figure out how, how to reopen the park and make sure this doesn't happen again. But my biggest worry is that people's focus isn't on how do we fix the park? People's focus is just on like themselves. We're all so internally focused. The people who are absolutely trapped by fear right now, who 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 I do believe will not recover from this. I think there's going to be a brand new form of sort of PTSD that comes out of the 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 fear that some people experienced and the and the they're, they're not going to be able to shake the feeling you you and I talked about this privately George going to the grocery store and looking in the eyes of other scared people and how that makes you feel on the inside knowing that knowing that there's a lot of people out there right now that are just have been trapped in a bubble of fear for months that changes you like physically yeah, I mean it was awkward you. I mean, when, when, so we have a, what we call a quarantine bubble or whatever here with, with our, with our family. So our family's been a germ germ circle. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So we can be around each other, like in theory. Right. So then, but even when they're around, I feel a little bit uneasy, like being too touchy. It's, it's weird. Like, like I like like we give each other hugs and stuff like that, but it's there's a little bit of trepidation in there. But I, I wanted to get, get back to Arizona real quick. Uh, Ralph is so Arizona says that they're open for business completely, and people are like everybody should rush to Arizona. But like I said, it's a temporary situation. But then how does that work anyway? I mean, like it, it's not like every baseball team could then go to Arizona and play. And play all their games for. First of all, the the stadiums aren't even set up for the cameras work and all of this stuff. Like, how do you get the announcer? I mean, it's just an absolute zoo. Yeah. Like so, you, you could do some stuff because there's 
you know, the spring training out here and you do have a lot of stadiums and, and, and you would need to, you, I think that that part of it of figuring out how to broadcast, it would probably work itself out. But, you know, what do you do when it, do you do this in June and July? Because it's hot here and, and not like, not, not like regular hot. Yeah. No, 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 no. It's not regular hot. No. And when people talk about like, oh, it's a dry heat. So is fire. fire it's fire burn your crazy. skin hot out there. Yeah, it's not. It, it's it's tough. It's really sunscreen tough. can't a, save you hot. No. Yeah, sunscreen doesn't do anything about melting. <laughs> right. You're not gonna burn. You're gonna melt. And so the yeah. the the whole thing with you know yeah we got a roofed stadium um, for the Diamondbacks. So what do you do? Play three or four games a day there. Start at nine in the morning and go back to back to back to back all day so that at least eight teams can get it in. Um, that's maybe one option. Um, you know, I don't know what Vegas has available, but like there's, I, my guess, my guess is when they try to kick this thing off, you know, they're going to run into all sorts of uh, interesting oh, yeah. issues. Part of it's well, going to be really cool to watch though, George, because like uh, there's nothing more fun than innovation right but yeah. at the same time you're always going to have in the back of your mind like uh are well, these people getting each other sick yeah well I, I think the easiest part is the is baseball in terms of because if you send have to if you send the teams that play in the grapefruit league down to florida teams that play in the cactus league out to arizona and you play like that right then yes it would be easier because those teams already have their own little mini compounds there, but moving other sports like the whole, like the logistics, the, the infrastructure, the, the, the doctors that they have relationships with all of this. I'm not even talking about just the keeping people healthy and safe part, but moving operations for teams to a different state, for a for an indefinite amount of time like the cost associated with that may not i mean it, it it's just outrageous and then the question is what do you do with people's families because like yes the players may be able to play and be sequestered and all that stuff down there but then what do you do with their families like their families can't just yeah. move down there because now you're you have kids going to school. You got people going to work. All this stuff that creates um, hazards for you keeping the players who some of them have underlying conditions safe. Some of the coaches, trainers, uh, people who mow the grass, the equipment managers, all of this. So you have to keep all of these people safe. And the more people that you bring into that network, the higher chance for something bad to go wrong for something bad to happen is so like while it may be easier for baseball to do it i think that when you look at the the, the pac 12 in it in itself or any of the other sports like well well not 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 even the pac 12 because you can't move freaking colleges you know what i mean like you can't like send all the colleges down to arizona and yeah we'll, we'll just practice and play down there it's not even feasible so i like I get where the Arizona governor said wanted to make a statement and just be bold and out front. But I think that's going to give people a lot of bad ideas 
coming up with over the next few weeks. So let me let me pitch you on something because there's the idea that the Pac-12 could only play itself, right? And the California schools might have to only play road games, uh, which then some of the road games would have to be neutral site games because California teams obviously play California teams. Yeah. What if this happened instead? Because Stanford's a private institution and USC's a private institution. What if the other four major conferences agreed to take on the teams in the Pac-12 that were that that planned on having college football this season while Cal, you know, sits out while um you know, I guess anybody else who wants to sits out. What if the Big 12 came and grabbed four teams and the SEC came and grabbed two teams? Could you see that being a a potential one-year solution? I guess yeah. I mean, it's it's one of those things to where if some people, if you are a Pac-12 team not in California, if you, I mean, Oregon already said that there will be no games in the state basically through September, no sporting events. So you're looking at, but they could play away games or, or some, I don't even know if they can go to practice, but if you are, Washington, Arizona, Colorado, Arizona, then and the uh, California schools aren't in, then maybe that the teams that fall off of people's schedules, then maybe I guess you could try to work it out that that way. But but you got to remember, hotels of hotels have already been reserved. There's there's a lot of stuff that goes into moving a moving an entire sporting event. You hear me? Yeah. I just, you know, I'm seeing people tweet stuff jokingly like this dude, Parker Todd 16 on Twitter. Who's, who's seemed to have his tweet seemed to have found its way into PAC 12 Twitter and his mentions are a mess. He says, will a college football season without the PAC 12 really be different from any other college football season? Um, I wanted to give him the finger when I saw that. (laughs) And so, I mean, there's people are pitching the idea of the Big 12 taking out, uh, taking on a couple of fusing the Mountain West and the Pac-12 minus the California schools. Uh, gosh, um, I don't know. But for the most part, it just looks like everybody's kind of mad at um, mad. Everybody's at the, mad at California. Everybody's mad at California, including your boy, Rudy Carpenter. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, I'm glad I left. Like bro, like this is temporary. Yeah, hey, I don't. I don't think okay. California is that mad either. I think that's a that's a one of those mutual conscious. <laughs> what what's it, what did Gwyneth Paltrow and Chris Martin do? The conscious uncoupling. Yeah, dude. We dude. It's one one of those things that we're like. I mean, it, it's kind of like people where they look at Florida and they're like, "Oh, dude, Flor- Florida man, all this wacko stuff always happening." Everybody looks at other states like. Huh, huh, okay. Let me let me know how the, that works out there. Let, let, let me know how it work, works out when your skin is boiling all summer and you don't have an ocean to go to. You could know you what I mean? Could you see schools, since if you're not having to play in front of a crowd or whatever, could you see schools like high schools, like Bishop Gorman outside of Vegas could maybe host a couple of games? Because if there's no fans, you just need a nice field, right? So, but yeah, I, I don't see why not. I mean, what, like, what do you think is going to happen to all these high school football players? You think they'll come to Arizona? 
do you know what sucks like to be to 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 go back to the uh that well that goes to the next thing which is clay clay travis he tweeted about athletes that they should leave california and leave the pac-12 and they should all transfer elsewhere to go play and like for a smart guy this was a stupid tweet because Okay, first first of all, there are scholarship limits. Pretty much everybody's at capacity right now, except for schools may have like one or two scholarships left. Okay, but what they about, would've But what um, about what about high schoolers though? Well, that's that's what I was getting at. So this summer is already kind of ruined for for big camps like the rivals camps, the 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 Nike Spark camps, the Adidas camp, all, all those camps are, are are they all done for the summer? I think so. I haven't received any communicate. Our five star challenge is usually in in mid June, and I haven't received any communication on it. And we only had like three regional camps before we canceled the whole thing. So I was out the last time I was the last time I was out and about. I was with you. I I, yep. I was out in California. Um, on I think March 1st is when I drove back from California to Arizona. And, and it was, it was, I mean, it was March that evening of March 1st when I told, told my wife that like, Hey, I don't think things are going to be the same from here on out. All anybody was talking about at this high school camp that I went to was this disease in Asia. So, um, yeah, I don't know. So, so it's already affected recruiting because, there are because because kids they could have taken some early trips already right kids are committing sight unseen like yeah they're taking virtual tours of these campuses and they are committing to schools they have never once set foot on a campus of yep and the other thing is there is a ton of movement in this time period well from like that march until July, August, there's a ton of movement in recruiting rankings because those guys were juniors last year. And yes, they were evaluated, but they weren't evaluated the same way as they, they, they would have been this summer. Right. Right. So you're going to have kids that were, that are four star, four stars that would have gone to five or would have, had other kids who were three stars or two stars jump up to four stars and pass them. So I think it's going to put a premium. So I think that when you see the class rankings at the end, that it's going to be that they're not going to be as accurate as they usually are. And that you're going to have that. This is where the coaches are going to earn their money. And the coaches who just rely on the rankings are going to get screwed. Yeah, yeah, this was supposed to be the week that uh, Arizona had all their showcases, which you and I talked about on some of our early versions of of this podcast was, you know, that hoping that California would join suit in allowing the high schools to get together on the same field. Um, This was supposed to be that week where where every day six or seven Arizona high schools were all practicing, not against each other, but on the same field so that colleges could come out and see them. But all these college coaches have been doing for the last two months is watching film. We've seen more offers uh, in the spring than we've ever seen before. We've got schools like New Mexico who didn't even have a single commitment, not one single commitment 
um, for the class of 2020 up until, you know, a month before signing day in 2020, they've already got seven for this class. Um, you know, Nevada's getting kids, uh, Utah state's getting kids. It's, it's, it's crazy right now because people are just, you know, they're trying to lock in a spot. Um, and you might see a lot of movement when some of this stuff clears up of people being reevaluated and everything, but coaches are just going crazy watching film and offering kids they've never met. And that's why uh, a well, I've talked to two Pac-12 coaches about this specifically. Two coaches said, he said, if things open back up and there is a season, you're going to see a bunch of kids who are committed right now that they're going to get dropped. That they're yeah. that they're going to get dropped from big power five schools that they committed to because that two or three star kid that they hadn't seen, they figured out that they're better than the kid that they got committed right now. And that, you know, that they had it wrong. So you're, he said that they're going to, well, they both said you're going to see a bunch of kids getting dropped. And also you are going to see probably less decommitments because kids are going to feel the instability and they're going to want to be like, nah, nah, let, let me just lock this, lock this in here because I don't want this to go away. Very true. Um, uh, okay. So now the Clay Travis tweet that athletes should leave the PAC 12, um, and California because they're not playing all of this stuff. And I was like, that's silly because a, there's only so many scholarships available everywhere. One. And the second thing is this is a temporary situation. So the idea that people should bail on the conference because, uh, California is not opening at this point in time while other states are. It just it just felt foolish and 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 not very thoughtful. He is an interesting dude. He you know, he 100% believes in the whole maxim that like if you are saying my name I am winning. Um and and if that's your philosophy, if your philosophy is if you know who I am, I have won. Um, some of the most famous people in the world uh, have their notoriety through infamy, not actual fame, right? So a lot of people know who Clay Travis is because they are super pissed off about the crap that he puts out there. And to him, he always chalks that up as a win. Um, I think that he's actually a, kind of an underrated, gifted writer. Uh, I think that he is um, somebody who actually, when he's sharing his perspective and not necessarily pandering to, you know, a populace that that uh, that kind of eats up uh, things and feels like the media uh, isn't slanted toward their point of view. So they actively look for people who are um, if he wasn't doing those things, then I think he could be doing some pretty cool stuff. But He's a guy who I don't think believes very much of what he says. Um, and therefore, it's really hard for me to take that seriously because I well, know I can, what game he's playing. Well, I can I can speak to that because I did a TV show with him on FS1. That was my introduction to him. And we've done a few things to, together professionally. And Clay's a very smart guy. And I would agree with yeah. you that that he's a talented writer because he used to be a lawyer 
all of these things makes makes fine arguments all all of this but clay but but clay has figured out too that if you turn around and you yell to the crowd about how bad the other people are or how stupid the other people are then you can rile those people up and that's one way that people have well like especially in social media age, been able to build huge followings and loyal followings is when, when you are polarizing, whether you are, uh, you know, Candace Owens, Jason Whitlock, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Clay, who, whoever people tune in to be, they tune in because they agree with you. And then they also tune in because they, they just despise what you say and they want to fight you. Yeah. And like you uh, said, like he's like, if, you, if you're t- tuning in, then he's winning. Despite the reason why you're tuning in. Well, and so, you use perfect other names as examples like Candace Owens, Jason Whitlock. Those are people who affirm a point of view um, from people who don't necessarily associate with the other side. Right. So like, you know, Jason Whitlock is a black man in sports who who calls out black men in sports, right? Candace Owen is a black woman in politics who calls out black people just in culture in general. And, uh, and, and Clay Travis is a Democrat who calls out Democrats and people love that stuff. They love to eat up anything that affirms whatever it was that they believed in the first place, because then they could point at that person and say, see, even they're saying it. Therefore, what I feel can't be all that bad. And so, and, and it is that just sort of thing of like recognizing whatever sort of the populist mood is out there and finding a way to ride that wave. The question always comes down to sincerity, right? Are, are you being ex- exploitative? Because we've seen it for, for a millennia with megachurch pastors, right? Who, who figured out the, the grift. Once you, if you figure out the grift, you can sort of just live that life. And as long as you don't feel like you're hurting anybody, then you can, you can roll with it. And Clay Travis for the last two months of basically saying that we're overreacting to this disease and moving the goalposts every 15 seconds, you know, we might've finally come to the point where what he's doing isn't as harmless as it, as it typically is. It's because it's, it's left the, uh, avenue of sports altogether and is entered into public health, which is there a more important thing than public health? No, I mean, but you know, there is like, it's turned, like I said, it's turned into a political issue and all of that, but now going down the recruiting path as it relates to USC, Dante Williams, who has been at Arizona, Nebraska, Oregon, now USC and I think I forgot somewhere else in between all in the last like five years. Yeah, all <laughs> in the Arizona last San Jose State. Yeah, all in like the last five years. Um, and he's shown himself as a phenomenal recruiter. The uh he sent out a tweet. Ralph heard about the tweet. <laughs> Ralph couldn't see the tweet because uh, Dante has Ralph blocked. He does. I I don't know anybody like when, when I go to people's pages, I never have, I am never blocked. Like never like you're the, like only your guy, oh, George Foster blocked me. And I, are you serious? Following him. 
<laughs> sweaty Bridgewater. He blocked you. You gotta get me. You gotta get me unblocked because I loved following him. Okay, I will. I will. I will talk to George. I will. I, I will send him a tweet like, "Yo, why did you block Ralph Amsden?" He, I think, because I quote tweeted that really awesome thing he did with Joe Burrow and the cigar. And I, I quote tweeted it with a joke. It was one of those jokes where it was like, if you were following along with it, you're like, wait a minute, this guy's actually mad at Joe Burrow for smoking. And then when you got to the end of the tweet, you're like, oh, he got me. Like, it was one of those. So I, I feel like he probably read the first five words of it. And he was like, ah, screw this nerd. <laughs> and he just, because it, it was, I was, I was making a joke and it wasn't at George Foster's expense. It was at anybody who gets mad at college athletes for celebrating. And, uh, yeah, I, I got myself blocked, and that was one of my favorite follows. So you got to help me out. I, I just sent him a tweet right, <laughs> right this second. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, yo, George, why did why did you block my man Ralph Ralph Amsden? He loves your tweets. He's sad. <laughs> Thank um, you so much, dude. How, dude? You are blocked by oh, probably multiple like, coaches. Three to four hundred people uh, is my oh, estimation. The only, only my baby mama has blocked me. That is it. But 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 I think I blocked her first. So, <laughs> so like aside from that, I never go to people's Twitter and they're like, uh, uh nah, I'm I'm off of George. I've never, <laughs> dude. I'm, and and, I I I don't feel like I'm an intentional troll. I don't go out looking for trouble, but sometimes I I just step in it and. We oh, got to get you verified, Ralph. That I, I think that <laughs> that will stop the blocking. That might make it worse. No, 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 no. Because because I think that that's people that they that they're like, oh, this dude is just a troll because he's not verified. So so he's block material. You see what I'm saying? I'm telling uh, you. Yeah, that's what. I, it is. And hopefully so, but, after tonight, it's one less. But yeah. I, I don't care about Dante Williams if he wants to. If if he wants to be bitter because I told recruits hey pay attention to these guys that bounce around like they're not going to be there all four years with you um if he's mad about that and that happened when he went from arizona nebraska whatever like i there's nothing i can do i you know i like to help these college coaches get some of these kids uh if they're interested in them and and he obviously doesn't need the help because he's one of the best recruiters i've ever seen so you know he, he he's good to have me blocked i guess yeah so you have Dante Williams, he tw- he tweeted a video. Well, like a, I mean, it's, uh oh, it's literally a, a a minute and seventeen seconds. It's you know, views of California, USC with the fight on, big Hollywood sign, welcome to LA, take back the West. You know what I mean? Like that a whole whole thing. It's just a propaganda video. I mean, they got Snoop and. Dr. Dre and all of these people like old fitted footage of them, you know, just showing the LA brand. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, yeah. So it's a cool video. I mean, it's the video that every other school makes about their thing. You know what I mean? About what's unique and special about theirs. You know, they got old, they got Matt Leinert on there. The, The one person that they should put on there, but they can't is Reggie Bush. But do you believe that he's had the the big impact on USC recruiting like people 
think that he was going to have. Yeah, cause, because, it, I mean, last year's still fresh in my mind. Um, they got, what, nine four-star commits right now? Nine four-star commits right now. They're currently number four in the entire country, according to Rivals. And again, this is a really weird, skewed year where Tennessee has 21 verbal commitments already. But remember, so USC being fourth in the country right now, they were they finished 64th last year with only two four-stars in the whole class. They have nine right now. So I do think that at some level he has made an impact. I think three or four of those kids are there specifically because of him. I think Clay Hilton, I can't say saved his job with this one, but I, I think that he, he made the fire um, not as hot under his feet. Uh, see, I don't know about that. Only, oh, all right. So, uh, look, the, well, that's because you kid, were like me reading Mike Bones mentions today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> everybody, so, everybody's still pissed at Clay Elton. Yeah. So since Dante Williams got there, they've got, they got a flip from Oregon, Anthony Beavers, which I do think was directly related to Dante Williams. They signed a well to commit the, from Texas, a wide, wide receiver, Cordarius Davis, Julian Simon, an athlete from Washington. Um, yeah, but aside from that, oh, and then the um, another kid from Mir who has committed since he's been there. As- aside from that, all the rest of the commits were already there, or they're three stars. So, I mean, I'm not like I do believe that there has been some I- impact, but. I mean, this is USC, like like a a blind monkey could 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 recruit there. So, I mean, so th- that showed the Clay Helton failures. So, where this class actually ends up, I think it'll end up in the mid teens, probably. Um, and you're gonna have Washington and Oregon kind of fighting for that one spot, I think, and USC will finish probably. Th- third in the class i think because because washington has a ton of of big time recruits in the um in in the player rankings they got you know the uh the uh, kid tj tim uh tim i'm not even gonna try to say his name and to him allow or whatever that kid is incredible yeah and that kid is so good that i'm gonna have to learn how to pronounce his name yeah, and then they got the uh, I'm, I'm gonna call him uh, Double E, the wide receiver from uh, from Washington as well. Sam Hewitt, who got moved up to a five star, which leapfrogged uh, Jake Garcia's spot essentially. So you're gonna have Washington and Oregon fly up the recruiting rankings, and and I think one, and especially once. I mean, Alabama's ranked in the 30s right now. You got Georgia not ranked very high either, and they're going to fly up to number two and number three probably pretty quickly as well. So, you know, that that's why I think that USC is going to finish in the teens probably and uh, right alongside Washington and Oregon, who could be like right around the top 10. Um. 
Well, now, I, think, I think like what would you do? Because I, I really feel like this class is going to be huge for USC, and I feel like a lot of it's going to have to do with Dante Williams. How, how tempted are you if you're Dante Williams? Like Clay Helton comes and tells you something, and and and, and would you even be trying to hear it? Like, or would it just be in the back of your mind? Like, man, you're lucky I'm here. Oh, like, of course. You, of course, dude. This dude, Dante Williams is like, we're going to return. Sir. Huh? You better be saying please and thank you and sir when you address me. <laughs> yeah, you're like, excuse me, Clay? You want me to do what? <laughs> yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm over here. I'm making phone calls to recruits right, right now. I'm busy. <laughs> oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it. I, I think that that this recruiting season, granted, the coronavirus is throwing everything off. And I think that you're going to have skewed. I mean, so like Clay Helton, there's no chance he gets fired. No chance he gets, he gets fired again, I think. I mean, especially if they don't play any fo- football games, you can't fire them. Uh, but I do think that this recruiting class, though, is it's going to be better just because you can't screw it up two years in a row at USC because they have more scholarships available than they had last year where they only had in the teens. Yeah, it it's going to be better. Like, it's one of those things, like, it could not be, they could not repeat the same thing with a full class of 25 kids. Like, if they had had a full class last year, they wouldn't have been in the 60s. They would have been in the, in the 30s, even if they only signed all three-star kids. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I mean, there's still it's still impressive knowing that everybody's getting commits. Um, just out of I don't know, kids are committing out of boredom. Uh, everybody was set, wanting to celebrate Mother's Day the same way this year, <laughs> and so, uh, but you you still have them up there in those rankings, considering everybody's getting commits. So I, I don't know. I feel like, but then like you said, maybe some of these guys that they're getting aren't as high um, as they should be, or or, or too high. Um, the valuations are going to be all thrown off. So it, it really kind of remains to be seen what the impact of this class is. You know, if there's no high school football season, God forbid, how are you going to evaluate any of these kids? You're going to be doing it off of their junior film or off of one seven on seven performance. Exactly. In so, so when, so when you mentioned the high school recruiting earlier, I feel bad for these kids, dude. I feel bad for the kids who didn't have a ton of offers already, who just made, who worked their ass off and got better and were going to make huge leaps and get to, to different opportunities. And you're going to have some kids who do not get offers who are going to end up at JC's and then they're going to play well there. And then some of them are just going to quit because they, they're, they're, they're discouraged. People tell them, see, I told you there was nothing there. Then the coronavirus threw threw you off, dude. It this is a horrible time for like guys who ended up unsigned initially after National Signing Day, who would have, you know, been able to find a a home because like no prom, no graduation, no hard to find a school like. This is a mess, dude. This is a very trying time for some, some some kids, especially if there's no high school football. Like, what the hell do you do with these kids who would be coming in? It It is a disaster, and I am happy that my kid is just going to be a freshman. 
And like, cause pff, I don't know, bro. I do not know. No high school football, online school. These kids are these kids are going to be going pro in esports. <laughs> That's what's going to happen. Like this is going to be the greatest crop of esports recruits in the history of esports recruiting. Hey, I am not mad at that, buddy. I am not mad at that. Um, so you had Kyle Whittingham. He said that he is okay with playing an all Pac-12 schedule. 11 games, all Pac-12, and also that he wants his players back ASAP, that schools and states that are ready to be open, that those kids should be ready to open and the kids should be back even if the other states aren't. Two two separate comments. What do you think about them? Uh, I, I saw a couple of people overreacting in the mentions, and that stood out more to me than his comments. What do you think, George? Do you think it, because here's the thing with college coaches, they care so much about fairness. They, I mean, it to the point where it's just annoying to the point where if, if their house was on fire and you had two college coaches living together and one of them got handed a fire extinguisher that had more in it than another coach, they get in an <laughs> argument and let the whole house burn down. <laughs> so, like, they just have this just obsession with put us on an even playing field because that's that's when I can show that I'm better than you, right? With all other things being equal, that's when I can show that I'm the better coach. And so... You know, they're not – I don't think that he wants to wait around for California to reopen to get access to his kids. Um, and I, I, I think that that's just on brand. And I think that the California coaches will be pissed if yep. Utah gets access to their kids. I think, I think college coaches are still grinding their teeth at night that ASU got three spring practices in. Oh, for sure. For sure. I mean, like I, I, we're, I did, we're in a worldwide pandemic with 20% unemployment. And they're in, like, in, I need my three practices. <laughs> yeah. They're like, Herm better not be able to, they better make Herm wait three days. <laughs> and that's what's on their mind. Like, right. that's what Jimmy Lake's thinking about when he goes to bed. It's like, I can't believe Herm got three more practices than me. <laughs> and, oh, yeah. and I don't, I'm not even joking. This isn't and a joke. That's the difference. Yeah. Yeah, no, so, you 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 hit the nail on the head, Ralph. You hit it on the head, and you just drilled that thing in first first smack. That is the way college coaches think. Um, but the All Pac twelve schedule, eleven games, old school. Everybody plays everybody, Big Twelve style. <laughs> I am. Uh, if if the conference has to only play itself, then obviously that's the only way it should be done. I think, I, I think that's just logical <laughs> and makes sense. So here's the area where you're like college coaches because you've always said that you want the Pac-12 to be on the level of everybody else as far as the number of conference games that you have to play. And that's why the idea that them having to play 11 uh, them having to play 11 games all against each other made me laugh so hard because you've been banging the drum of like make everyone play 9 or let the Pac-12 go down to 8 for ever and yeah. so i had to tag you in that tweet and be like all right george what about 11 <laughs> yeah it's 
And and then the idea that not only not only could the Pac-12 only play itself, the Pac-12 could potentially play their games at a different time than everybody else. You know, like everybody else is going through the college football season as as scheduled. Then after the bowl season, you get six more months of football with the Pac-12 just deciding to be the to take the place of the AAF. That might actually be good for the conference. It would be I the mean, one. How crazy would it be if the one thing that that could work for the Pac-12 to get more eyeballs happens because of a worldwide disease? That's it what it would take to get nothing. Nothing that Larry Scott worked out. Yeah, that that yeah, they were talking about nine a.m. and having to kick off at at, at one o'clock Eastern in the morning or whatever else they're doing or get private equity investors. If the if the if COVID nineteen knocks the Pac twelve into a spring schedule now that there's no more AAF no more XFL and then all of a sudden the only thing you can do is watch Pac twelve but they don't get to participate in the playoff like that could save Larry Scott's that could save his skin like I think the whole thing is absurd but it would be really funny if the one thing that they were always hoping for which is to get some exclusivity. Um, happened because the XFL and AAF were not sustainable and the Pac-12 was forced to play in in the spring. Oh, but but then you know what the conversation would uh, be. Oh, man, these these teams are good. They would be pumping them up, but then they'd be like, yeah, but they couldn't hang with Alabama. They couldn't hang with Auburn. They couldn't hang. Like, that would be the thing. Well, they're only playing playing each other. That's what That's what they would say. But um, the oh Larry Scott, your boy Larry Larry Scott, you got you got Larry Scott, you got Khalil Tate, you got <laughs> Jacob Eason. So those are the, those are your boys, Ralph. That's my people. That show me show me your friends. I'll show you your future. That's what you're saying yeah. to me. <laughs> so Larry Scott went on Dan Patrick. And you got a chance to check out some of the highlights of, of that. And one of the things was the fact that he said the conference has access. Well, he has access to the same doctors and information that the White House does, which I've been preaching for a while that these colleges remember when Washington shut down, people were like, oh, this is a bad idea. I was like, no, these people have access to some of the best epidemiologists in the world. Like Washington has access to Bill Gates and all, despite the stupid conspiracy theories. But, um, yeah. So I screen recorded him. I screen recorded him saying that some of the best epidemiologists, infectious disease experts, they work at these Pac-12 schools, they're professors. And he said that he's spending more time with them than he is with coaches and athletic directors and university presidents. So he's he's been staying abreast on all of these things. And then he said that they're the same. These are the same. Some of the same doctors that actually have the ear of the White House or that are on uh, commissions to to be able to to speak into Congress and the White House on some well, of the things scary. that are going on. Right. So so I tweeted that Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott just told Dan Patrick that the university doctors and researchers advising the conference on what to do this season are some of the same people that are advising the White House. And I think people are so used to me bashing Larry Scott that all of the replies to that tweet were like, oh, well, you know, um, of course, these are the doctors that are advising the White House. Of course, they'd be advising the Pac-12, too. Someone said, uh, how does he still have a job? 
Is he going to listen to them or just ignore them like the White House is? So there was no positivity that came out of this. I thought it was just a newsworthy thing. Oh, that's funny. Like, there's all these great universities in the Pac-12 that have all these brilliant minds, and he has access to them. You and must explicitly him say that, Ralph. I, I guess. Because, because people believe that Larry Scott will find a way to, to, to uh, find defeat and snatch it from the jaws of victory. <laughs> <laughs> and then so so then I think I proved people right because I couldn't help myself. Twenty minutes later, I tweeted a clip of of Dan Patrick making fun of his man cave uh, because the it was a video and audio interview. He's making fun of his man cave, and Larry Scott said that he lost most of his man cave to his three teenagers using it as a PlayStation room. And I said, if you can't negotiate your own space in your own house, Direct TV was never an option. So then. <laughs> Damn. So that like I guess I guess that like there's a there's a reason that people aren't taking me seriously when I try to tweet a serious thing about Larry Scott. And I and I can't take him that seriously either. But he, I don't feel like he said anything embarrassing. I don't feel like he did anything ridiculous in this interview. I thought it was good. He just told basically he reiterated Dan Patrick that it's gonna be really hard to have student athletes on campus if there's no students on campus, and that they're just listening and playing the wait and see game. And again, it's a member-driven organization. And we talked about earlier in the podcast that member-driven organizations cannot by definition lead. They cannot lead because they are governed by all of the presidents together who are beholden to all of their donors who are, you know, beholden to whatever their interests are and so you know he's not going to come out and and commandeer the situation and say no we're definitely having football because one it's not up to him and two he's part of an organization where he's unable to make any decisions in the first place so i don't expect larry scott's an interesting guy to hear from right now but it doesn't mean anything because he can't do anything oh yeah yeah yeah, and and if he could do something, he might. We want. know that we know that Larry Scott. I mean, he just is always consistently waiting on somebody else to make a decision to to do it. And listen, if you are a Pac-12 fan right now, you cannot be necessarily happy because people are roasting the Pac-12 on Twitter, and I don't like it. I don't. They like are. It. It's been a it's been a rough day for the pack. So it's been a rough day in general. Like we, we were talking about, this feels like a March day, like one like March eleventh, Rudy Gobert, Tom Hanks day. If you're a Pac twelve football fan, this day very much feels like one of those days. Oh yeah, this is just a zoo, dude. Hopefully tomorrow is calmer. Um, but now it. Now it is time. You did a phenomenal job reading this to me earlier because we got a piece of fan email. <laughs> and so I will let you read it again to the the people. If you guys want to reach out to us, I'm at I-M-M-A-D at unafraidshow.com and send us an email. We always put them on when, when you guys send them to us. Uh, so, yeah. So take it away, Mr. Amsden. This is from Seoul Cow, Seoul, S-E-O-U-L, like Seoul, South Korea. Um, This is a cool email. I liked it. So I'm going to go ahead and read it for you. Pac-12 Apostles, before I turn to my I'm mad rant, I wanted to thank you both for the podcast. I found this podcast while driving to work starting in June of last year. 
I work as a firefighter in San Luis Obispo, and I drive from Corona, not the virus. This podcast kept me entertained and, more importantly, awake as I leave my house at 145 every Friday and return home Monday. Awesome job you both do. The sound is great, and the witty banter is always fun. Now let's get to it. I am a golden bear, and I have been since 2003. I've waited my turn over and over and found little success since our almost Rose Bowl in 2004. This is, or should I say was, going to be Cal's year. 11 and 2 or 10 and 2, 11 and 1 or 10 and 2 were possible, and the Rose Bowl was in our reach. Chase Garbers made huge leaps, far more than I thought he was going to last year, and the time, and now was the time to show it. Polk and Remigio and a now healthy Crawford have a lot of steam coming into the season. Our defense should be stout once more, even though finding a replacement for Weaver won't be easy, and the new additions to our coaching staff should help. Don't get me started on what a garbage coach Bull Baldwin was. That guy had one good game, and that was last year's Bull. Anyway, all was set for our time back in the national conversation. However, enter the coronavirus. This football season will likely be canceled. As the governor already declared no large gatherings and the UC is making statements of continuing online classes, it's sad to say our chances are gone to see anyone play. I'm calling this the lost year, with Cal players and everyone not practicing, no coaching and no time for incoming recruits to learn a system of any kind. Our season to showcase and win will dwindle and disappear. My family has a saying for Cal. We are all Cal fans, by the way. And it goes, quote, typical. It is typical that this would happen to Cal. It would never happen during a year we suck and are a bottom feeder, but of course would happen when we are rising to the top. All in all, I have yet to fully show my I'm mad due to I believe in proper introductions between people. So George and Ralph, thank you for the work you do. Show more love to Cal, and you'll be hearing from me again soon from SoulCad. Uh, that was that was a, that, that made me laugh. Okay. The so, cursed mindset of this would never happen to Cal if we were bad. I, oh yeah, it'd be like yeah, nope, everything's fine. So when we do our projections, because I think think we still should do the projections um maybe on the next episode if i mean just for the strength of like it, it's fu- it's fun to do it and i actually have cow i don't have them at 10 and 2 but i do have them at 9 and 3 with the potential to go 11 and 1 i do have them with the potential to go 11 and 1 optimally cuz i don't think that i don't think that they're going to beat Oregon i don't um, and I had them with their two loss with their three losses to Washington State because I think they play at Pullman, and that's just weird <clears throat> at at times. And and Arizona State, um, I don't think they'll lose both of those games, but yeah, so 10, 10, 10 and two, I guess, is is a legitimate shot. But Rose Bowl, I think, is going to be tough in the North because Washington is going to be a dogfight as well. Um, but I love the fact though that cow fans feel like that this is just cursed for them. I mean, I mean, so many other fan yeah. bases feel like that, you know, just in general, like, Oh, well it, it was our time to shine. So mm, of course things go oh, wrong. Of course. Right. Oh, I don't know. I, I, I'm looking at this schedule and I'm just like, uh, zero and zero because they're not going to get to play any games like I'm, you know i i don't know i i think that 
I don't know. I think they had a really good chance to have a good year. I think eight and four would have been very feasible. Um, it would have been really interesting to see TCU come and visit. Um, they, I thought, were going to be the first team to be able to play in the new stadium in Vegas, but uh, but um, the Raiders shut UNLV down. Did you see that? So they're making them play in Sam Boyd Stadium, despite the whole thing about them, you know, supposedly they were supposed to share. And now the Raiders are like, hell no. <laughs> so Dude, they're like, we're not putting your 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 little bitty team in our new nice big bright shiny field and potentially messing up some Saturdays that we can put a concert in. Cause cause it's not like UNLV is gonna sell that thing out. <laughs> like, uh yeah, let's have a Taylor Swift concert instead. But oh. as, assuming everything clears up and they do get to play, I think that Cal's got a seven and five year. Um, I, I think that I think it'll be a seven and five year. I think they just have kind of a weird schedule where you know they have to play at Pullman, they have to play at the Coliseum, and then some of their home games are really tough uh, with Washington and Oregon. So um, yeah, they got to go to LA twice, assuming games are allowed to be played. Yeah. Uh, and and that that'll and even even playing at Oregon State's gonna be going to be a little bit difficult so they have a tough schedule but they are a good team and i would not be surprised at seven and five or eight and four but that's where i think kind of everybody's going to be so maybe they'll be a better eight and four than anybody else i got them at nine and three ralph i i just think that you are still not a believer in chase garbers like you need to be yet dude it is time to hop on <laughs> the train um but uh, yeah, we, we already covered the the part of his uh, email about the UCs making statements about online classes. That's going to be tough, obviously. Um, what else? Yeah, that that they've waited their 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 turn and it's over. But yes, well, but thank you for your email. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and so the next time. I mean, ho- hopefully that you are safe and healthy as a firefighter in San Luis Obispo, you know, and that we can keep you awake on this drive because this because the last episode was a mega episode and this is a regular episode, I guess. We're just in our we're just in our feelings. We're we're trying to work through this like everybody else. Yeah, and we are here for you. This is the Pack Twelve. This is the conference that we care about, that we talk about. The good, the bad, the ugly. That's what me and Ralph are here to do. And we appreciate your time. We appreciate your energy. Thank you guys for listening to the Pac-12 Apostles. Make sure that you share the podcast with a friend and tell a friend. Actually, don't share with one friend. Share it with two, three, four friends. Send us an email to I'm mad at unafraidshow.com. He's at Ralph Amsden on Twitter. I'm at George Reister. And you can follow at Pac-12 Apostles on Twitter as well. Uh, Peace out. Catch you guys next episode.